You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On this week's Something to Talk About, we are in Luke chapter 19, and we are focusing on the story of Zacchaeus. You've probably heard this story before, but Zacchaeus was more than just a wee little man, and this this section of Luke is about more than that. Uh, Really, the focus is the fact that Jesus came to seek and save, and uh, the story of Zacchaeus is a great picture of that. So that's what we're discussing today. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Good morning, Rich. Good morning. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. We're doing this a little late this week, so thanks everyone for bearing with us. I'm glad your son's feeling a little better. He is. He had a a virus that, it's an unnamed virus, apparently. Well, we'll have to give it a name. (laughs) Call it the George virus. Okay. I should, someone should be getting paid for this. <laughs> um, so uh, thanks for sticking with us. This is the sort of pithy content that people come to this podcast Come for the pithy content. Right. Stay for the information. Um, speaking of information, <laughs> we are uh, talking about Zacchaeus, which is uh, a story that I feel like most people learn slash know from a very young age, mm-hmm. um, if nothing else than based Singing on the song. The song right. right? Um, so it's a it's a pretty well known story, uh, but we kind of dug a little deeper into that on Sunday. So do you want to give a quick summary of that before we get into this? Well, in case you weren't aware, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I've heard a wee, wee little, little man, man was he? Was he? And uh, so he climbed a tree because mm-hmm. he wanted to see mm-hmm. who Jesus might be. We <laughs> goodness gracious! <laughs> and eventually. He was set free. So wow. as we see how this story unfolds, um, I Jesus... I keep that up for the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that good. Um, as we see this unfold, uh, Jesus is passing through Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Since about chapter 9, he's been moving toward Jerusalem. Um, whether he was moving physically toward Jerusalem... His ministry was moving toward Jerusalem. He had had set his face, it says, toward Jerusalem. And so uh, he kind of did some um, circuitous traveling, uh, and now he's he's moving into it. So this is the the end of the pre-Jerusalem time here as he's coming through it. So he's uh, passing through uh, Jericho on his way there. um, This guy named Zacchaeus, who's a chief tax collector, um, and is extremely wealthy, largely from cheating people, and just you know that's what happens when you're a tax collecting supervisor. Uh, you get wealthy. So anyway, uh, he wanted to see who Jesus was. Doesn't know Jesus, hasn't encountered Jesus, but he has um, heard of his reputation. Everybody's heard of his reputation, and so he goes out to see the traveling preacher that everybody's talking about, but. Because he is a man of diminutive stature, a wee little man was he, he needs to overcome the obstacles to seeing because there's a crowd, he's short, he can't see over them, he climbs a tree, which seems kind of like a silly detail to include really in such a powerful story um, until we realize that this is all part of God's plan. So he climbs this tree so he can uh, see who Jesus is, get a look at him, but when Jesus arrives, he sees Zacchaeus in the tree, 
And somehow he knows Zacchaeus by name. It wouldn't be surprising for Zacchaeus to know who Jesus right. is. He's famous at this point. He's got a crowd following him. You come into town with an entourage and people recognize that there's something going on. But there's no chance that you're thinking, huh, I wonder if the chief tax collector for the area is going to hang out climbing a tree like a 10-year-old. You know, that's what's going to go on. But he gets there. He sees Zacchaeus, calls him by name, and uh, says, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I have to stay at your house today. Zacchaeus does. He welcomes him gladly, it says. Uh, and the people, in verse 7, begin to mutter. Uh, but they don't mutter about Zacchaeus. It is, indirectly. But they mutter about Jesus. He says he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Uh, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, uh, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything... I'll pay back four times the amount. And then Jesus responds to Zacchaeus, but he says it in the third person. As he speaks to Zacchaeus, he says it for everyone else to hear as a declaration really against them in their muttering uh, as he's declaring that today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. And, you know, we've been talking repeatedly about verse 10 here being really the theme of Luke's gospel as mm -hmm. as Luke is um, telling the story of Jesus on earth and it's all building toward his salvation act at the cross uh, he he focuses heavily on the lost so as a Gentile himself he's seeing outsiders uh, as really crucial and key to the story um, he sees Zacchaeus here as a Jew and yet an outsider because tax collectors were hated by the Jews. They were traitors to the, to the people. Um, they were basically like gangsters, you know, so it's like uh, Edward G. Robinson here. You know, he's, he's Al Capone running the neighborhood uh, and at the same time a traitor to his own people. So... Um, with that in mind, Luke is seeing Zacchaeus as this outsider. He's already seen, he's already brought out these stories of lepers, of um, Gentiles, of women, all of the second-class citizens or lower mm -hmm. in that society, and Jesus elevates all of them. So whoever you are, Jesus is bringing good news, good news of the kingdom. And that's been the call that he's had straight along. We see it in the other Gospels uh, very clearly spelled out as well that uh, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. We, I was just studying Mark in the Wednesday night group last night and that we were looking at that in the first part of Mark. That's really the theme of Mark's Gospel. Is there, proclaim this good news. Jesus is the Son of God. Let's, let's go. We're going to repent and believe the good news. So Zacchaeus here is a picture of that. And we just in, in chapter 18 had been looking at uh, all these different vignettes, a couple of parables, a couple of live events that, um, that portray how we approach the king. How do we come to Jesus? Uh, how do we come to, to God? But specifically, how do we come to him through the Son? How do we approach the king? 
And all of it kind of comes together to give us this picture of beggars before the mm -hmm. king. We need to be desperate. We need to be recognizing we have nothing to offer. All of our wealth is pointless. All of our education is pointless. Our reputation is pointless. The only thing that matters is that we have a need that we can't meet, and only the king can save us. So when we come on our knees humbly and desperate before him, then, then we can gain audience with the king. If we think we have it together, then we are never going to even get to the throne room. We, we have to be able to let, let go of the fallacy that somehow we are good enough and smart enough and deserving and that our, our righteousness, our good citizenship is somehow something to be proud of. That you know, And he points out, again, in chapter 18, this parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. Again, tax collectors are hated, noted sinners. The Pharisee are seen as the, the righteous people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this Pharisee, again, this is a parable, and uh, as he's praying, he's saying, oh, Lord, you know, thank you that I'm not like these other people, right. these terrible sinners, or, this, or even this tax collector here. And you can fill in the blank with whatever sin you happen to think you're better than. You know, maybe it's the, you know, thank you that I'm not like these womanizers, or I'm not like these drug dealers, or I'm not like these, you know, whatever. Um, transgender people mm -hmm. or whatever kind of thing we look down on um, but the tax collector is on he, he's on his face he won't even look up to heaven in his humility he knows he's a wretch right and so Jesus says that's the prayer that gets heard not the one that that thinks I've got it together and somehow it makes sense that God would hear me because I'm a good person and God knows that Zacchaeus whatever else in this encounter comes to a place where he knows who he is. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything about the state of his heart before this. He came to see who Jesus was. He didn't come looking for salvation. Right. He didn't come looking to, you know, turn his life around or anything like that. Maybe he wanted to, you know, get in tight with the famous guy. Who knows? But he wanted something. He had this curiosity, so he comes and checks it out. And in the process, when Jesus initiates this conversation with him. And that's important for us to recognize. Jesus went to him. Mm -hmm. He didn't go to Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a, a universal principle that we see throughout Scripture that, that is in there, that God initiates we receive or we respond. So when he does that, then Zacchaeus repents. It's not just, oh, great, I, you know, I got this famous guy coming to dinner with me. Look at me. I'm excited about it. Right. He says, Lord, I'm going to right now, right now in front of everybody, I'm pledging, I'm giving away half of what I own. And then after I give away half of what I own, on top of that, I will repay anybody that I've cheated four times over, which tells you on the one hand, he's very wealthy. Right. And on the other hand, there is a change in his heart, and it's visible in the change in his action. And he's not, he doesn't care about the people's scorn at this point. This, this seems to have happened, I mean, I realize that the story doesn't give us, you know, exact times of everything, but this seems to have just happened very quickly with Zacchaeus. You know? Yeah. And, and uh, I guess the, I don't want to say frustrating, but the interesting thing is it doesn't give much background as to what, was there a light bulb moment for him? You know, was it just, yeah. oh my goodness, I'm in the presence of Jesus. So it was just overwhelmed with. Because, like you mm -hmm. said, he wasn't—he didn't go there looking for salvation. Right. But obviously, he was 
open to that somehow maybe without even realizing it what he needed what what he wanted uh so the fact that this just seems to happen very quickly at least from from a word point of view uh that's interesting to me well you know paul let me take a look here romans chapter 2 verse 4 uh paul in, in addressing the callous hearts of man and the judgment of God against us says do you not uh, do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness tolerance patience not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance and Mm. so I think that gives us the insight into this light bulb moment that Mm -hmm. he has Mm -hmm. Zacchaeus is there and everybody hates him and God without any question the way God does this is he works in our hearts before we ever know that there's anything going on he is perhaps convicted, perhaps he's not convicted at all until he sees Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus shows him this kindness. Everybody else treats him like a dirtbag. Right. You know, and maybe he was proud of that. Maybe he was, you know, kind of hardened to it, as so often we do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the scarlet letter causes me to, to uh, rebel against the, right. the conformist right. society. Uh, and so now as he sees Jesus being kind to him, showing this grace to him, his heart is softened. It's clearly the spirit of God. It's always the spirit of God. And we see that explicitly stated elsewhere. But as he's, as he's encountering the kindness of Christ, it draws him to repentance. Okay. He knows how people feel because he hears the crowd muttering, right. you know, oh my gosh, Jesus must be a real already, loser. He because probably already knew There's no questioning felt, right. him. And he's aware of it in that moment. But notice that he ignores them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak to them. He's not repenting for them to try to impress them. But he is repenting before them, in front of them, so that everybody sees it. There's a public nature of this. This is why you know, Jesus says, uh, or Paul says in Romans 10, we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from, our, from the dead. There is a believing inside of us that causes us to be justified and there's a confessing a public nature of it that causes us then to to be on board with christ and to be saved so when we are baptized that's our public declaration our public repentance so Mm -hmm, to speak mm -hmm. uh it's a symbol of that it's not that the baptism does it but it's a symbol of that that i've died to myself and i'm raised with christ to this new life so for zacchaeus who incidentally is not baptized here, but salvation has come to this house. So uh, for those who think that, that baptism is Equals a prerequisite or it's a baptismal regeneration, here's a story that's not related to the other. Uh, and baptism is already here for repentance. That's what John's been doing. Perhaps Zacchaeus is baptized later, but Jesus declares this salvation prior to any of that. Right then and there. So uh, anyway, as, uh, as he does this, the change in Zacchaeus is immediate it's public and it's extreme so the the changes in his heart but he is immediately accountable to everyone else because there's no hiding it's right. not you know i'm sitting in the back of the room and i quietly slip my hand up while all heads or are I bowed and all eyes are closed you know and maybe i'll let the pastor know but i don't really want to you know right. I'm going to keep it to myself. We sometimes, especially I think in America, I think more than other places, and maybe I'm wrong about that. I think our tendency is we we guard our privacy so much. 
But there is no privacy in the kingdom of God. And, well, there's two, and that's hard for us. I there's think. two ways to look at that from this standpoint, because you could also say Zacchaeus is publicly declaring all of this to gain favor with the people. And that's mm-hmm. not it either. He's not trying to get. No, he completely try- ignores right, the people. Right. right. So, so it's not like, well, I'm going to give all these people this now. And it's right. not. It's, that's you get not a car a, and you right, get a car. Right. Yeah. He's not. I'm going to buy this popularity. Right. It's not that at all. In fact, he doesn't address these people. Right. And. In all likelihood, you know, there's a mix here. Some are poor, some are not, you know, some are middle class, maybe even some are wealthy as they're following along. We're not told anything about the crowd, right. which means that it's irrelevant. Except that they're muttering. Except for they're muttering, which means the demographic is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I think we, we overlook sometimes. When God doesn't tell us something, it's because it doesn't matter. Or because he doesn't want us to know. There's a specific reason for the mystery. So quit making stuff up. Exactly. Right. And people do all the time. Right. We want to retell these stories and we put in, you know, we want to put flesh on the skeleton. And I get that. Uh, and I can have that tendency just like everybody else. But we have to be very careful not to go above the line and, and add to the scripture. And not to go below the line and take away from the scripture. We want to say what the scripture says. We want to stay on track with it. So when I'm talking about what I think might be happening in Zacchaeus, I want to make sure it's really clear. This is what I think might be happening. What we know for sure is what the text tells us. And if the text doesn't tell us, then we have to be very judicious, very careful about how we might build our logic or build our case from that. So we see change immediate. Change is going to (laughs) come. Well, and it comes immediately here that regardless of the contempt that everybody is showing me, I'm not, I'm not too ashamed, oh, I'm such a terrible sinner, which is also pride. When we get caught up in our, in our shame that way, it's just a variation of pride. It's about self. It's about me. Right. And Zacchaeus no longer cares. Up until this moment, clearly by, by what we're seeing here as the nature of who he is, as the chief tax collector and wealthy, and the, the change in his everything in this repentance, it's no longer about him. It's about Jesus. And I see you. I receive you. I welcome you. And I'm going to show that because the, my values instantly changed. That doesn't mean Zacchaeus never sinned again. Right. It doesn't mean he never got greedy again. It means in this moment, his heart, his, his entire outlook, his point of view changed. And he wants what God wants. And like the rest of us, Struggle is going to be natural. That's going to continue to happen for the rest of his days. But from here on out, because my who I really am and my will now joyfully conforms with the will of God, the, the fact that I no longer want that sin mm-hmm. shows the regeneration of my heart. The unregenerate person doesn't care doesn't think about that. We don't have remorse over sin. We might have remorse over consequences. Uh, you know, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry that this went badly for me. I'm sorry I lost my job over that embezzlement. But the sinful heart is hostile to God and isn't capable of repentance on its own because we just simply aren't looking there. We aren't, we're not even thinking about it. We're self-driven, self-motivated. And even when we're altruistic, we're not really altruistic. There's an angle that we have, as Bing Crosby said in White Christmas. Everybody's got a little larceny working in them. There's an angle that we're working toward so that when I do a good deed, it's because I want something back. Maybe it's because I want reward from God. I want to earn points with him. Or I want to gain a good name among people. But I, I need to be mindful of the fact that I don't have that kind of purity and goodness in me on my own. Right. When 
Christ comes to me and the Spirit quickens me, brings my, my spirit to life within me, then I'm able to see through spiritual eyes in a different way. That happens with Zacchaeus here. And regardless of what anybody else thought, regardless of how bad his life may have been up until this moment, Jesus says, this man too is a son of Abraham, which Paul really goes to great lengths in Romans to, to clear up for us. It's not in any way that he's a son of Abraham because of his, uh, his uh, heritage, his, his lineage, uh, he, because he's Jewish, you know, and they would think of themselves as sons of Abraham. That's not the point. He's a son of Abraham because of his faith, because he believes, because he is trusting God and, and turning around. That's why this man is now a son of Abraham. Even though he was always a descendant of Abraham, now he's a son of Abraham in, in a unique way that is the heritage of all who believe. I'm going to have you move in on the live stream, first of all, because I see half your head. Um, so, we need skinnier chairs or something. So, um, so I have a, a shifting question here. Why are people... Shifting in, so I'm on the screen. Right. Yeah. Uh, I did that on purpose. Why are people still surprised? Uh, whenever there's a crowd, whether it be just a general crowd that we don't know anything about, or Pharisees, or whoever, at this point, knowing what they know of Jesus, why are people still muttering? Why are people still surprised when he goes to these people who are, quote-unquote, obvious sinners? Mm -hmm. It seems to be like a shock that he's doing this again and again and again for for people, and I, I don't I don't get that. Like, why is it still at this point? Oh, he's going to a sinner. Why is he invite or coming to a sinner's house? Yeah. Okay, well, he's already dealt with you know lepers and prostitutes, and that, so why don't? And it's the point that Luke keeps making right, over and over. Right. Right. So that's and people keep being astonished. Right. Yeah. So why? Uh, <laughs> I would see at least tell me why at least two reasons for it, but before. As well those reasons out, I would add to your question, why are we still surprised? Well, that's very true. Why are we still yeah. overwhelmed when grace is given to those who... I take who... back my question. That's <laughs> but, I, feel, but I feel we, convicted now. But, yeah. I mean, aren't, aren't we? We yeah. have this innate sense of justice yes. in us that even though we are sinners ourselves, we mm -hmm. want to see people get punished for their sins. Yes. Now, we like to pretend that we don't, right. but we pick and choose. So mm -hmm. we have our, call it a protected status, whatever it is that we've aligned with where, where we don't want to see any judgment come toward them. But we will judge everybody else right. like crazy. In fact, I was having a conversation with someone, uh, someone close to me who was, uh, their church has recently um, made a stand as an LGBTQIA plus affirming, inclusive, welcoming church and put a gay pride flag out in their, in their sign and and so we were talking, and, and uh, this individual was... What church is that? This individual was, moving on, uh, was very, um, I guess, misled. They, they had been told things by the leadership that just is not what it means. So the, the focus is, we're going to call it a reconciling church. That sounds wonderful, right? Reconciling is wonderful. We want to be welcoming to everybody. We don't want to judge anybody. In the same conversation, not 30 seconds later, we were talking about a homeless person and talking about how they drag society down mm -hmm. because not really making the effort to be employed or to, to pull their weight in society and how terrible that was. In the course of the conversation, the person acknowledged that that was pretty judgmental. But, but that's what we do. We, we want to not judge until we want to judge. Mm -hmm. So then when 
something good happens to those who don't deserve something good to happen. And especially for someone who has perpetrated a crime or done a harmful thing, when something good happens to them, the, the hair on our neck stands up and we're like, wait a minute, that's not fair. And, and we revert back to you know preschool days when we're all whining about whether it's fair or not. Grace, and you just wish you could stomp your feet. And that's right. Feet. It doesn't play as well as adults. <laughs> uh, it doesn't play that well as kids that's either, true, but, but you get away with it. But we, you know, when we see grace given to someone else, it bothers us a right. lot of the it time. Does. So anyway, with that, that, uh, that would be the, the first of the two reasons that I would see is just the sin nature in us. That's good enough. <laughs> it's plenty. Uh, and so because of that, we, are, we tend to be hard-hearted. And in this crowd... Um, we can reasonably assume that you have the disciples who are there, who are, who are actively following Jesus. Mm-hmm. You have the crowd who's curious, and they're following, but they haven't committed themselves. They haven't sacrificed for him yet, and Jesus has gone out of his way to drive the, the masses away in <clears throat> saying things like, if you're not willing to take up your cross and to die uh, for the sake of the cause, then you're not worthy of being my disciple. If you're not willing to abandon your family relationships and everything that matters to you, to give up all of your possessions, you're not worthy of me and and you're not my disciple. So we see that over and over again. So we have some, I would say probably the majority would be a fair assumption, in the crowd, I apologize for all these terrible noises that I'm making, uh, who are not disciples yet. They're not committed. They're not ready to sacrifice, but they're, they're checking it out. They're, they're following. Uh, kind of very much like Zacchaeus, where he's, he's curious, but he's not committed. And then you've got the, the religious leaders who are following to try and trap him. They seem to be everywhere, the, the Pharisees and, and uh, the other leaders who are looking to take Jesus down. They're never far away <laughs> in all these scenarios. Yeah, yeah. So, it doesn't say the religious leaders did this. It says all the people. Right. So that's not saying every individual per- person, but the crowd, the group of them. Presumably, they. presumably they include somebody from each of these groups, right. from all of these different right. kinds. So that sin nature in us is a big part of it. The other reason is much less spiritual and just a, a practical fact he's moving around the countryside. So now he's no longer in the same area where he was doing these things before in Capernaum and Judea. Now he's, he's pressing on. This is the first time we see him in Jericho. So it's a new crowd of people. So right. they're encountering this. They're, they're hearing about the miracles. Right. Are they hearing about how Jesus is reaching out to outsiders? Probably not as much. And just because of the nature of how news travels. And probably without being there to see it, to hear him make his points in his parables, they probably still aren't getting it yet. Mm-hmm. So in all likelihood, this is at least in part a new audience okay. that hasn't seen that from him before. Gotcha. That makes so, more sense. All of those things kind of work together. And it is interesting, though, how so much of what we see in the Scripture is we like to isolate things, to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. But we don't actually exist as compartmentalized people. We, we are whole people. It's not just my, my mind, my heart, my, my will. They all blend together. It's all, you know, kind of, uh, it's like a jambalaya. You know, everything's in there mixed up together in its own unique places. I, I like shrimp. So anyway. A jambalaya. One of all things. Anyway, continue. <laughs> 
I don't know. What do you want me to say? What's no, wrong? You don't like Jambalaya? You're a foodie. I don't know. So, anyhow. What, what, deep south of you. What, what, what do you prefer? I don't know. We're admitting like beef a, stew. I don't know. Okay. I'll, I'll go with that. It's I hot like, out. I, don't I, like, know. I, I like beef stew. I love beef stew. Jambalaya. Anyway. A fruit smoothie, perhaps. <laughs> there we go. But, That's appropriate for today. But anyway, uh, the the point being, all of these things <laughs> interrelate uh, as we go through this. So sure. when we see um, when we see people um, trying to separate faith and repentance, you can't do that. It's two sides of the same coin. There there is no faith without repentance, and there's no true repentance without faith. So the faith and works debate is really kind of a chicken and egg thing, uh, and. The answer is the chicken came first. But the, um, the reality of it is I'm not saved by works. I'm saved apart from works, but I'm not saved without works. I'm saved by faith, but that faith that saves always, always results in works. And if I don't have actions to follow it up, then I don't have a legitimate claim that I have faith, have, have real faith. We know Zacchaeus had faith. Because his he his up. heart changed, therefore his actions changed. Right. If he had just said, hey, you know what? Let me, let me whisper to the side. Uh, Jesus, I don't want everybody else to know this, but I'm going to give my stuff away to the poor. Uh, then without that public proclamation, we might have some questions about it. He might right. be able to go back. On right, that. that's what I'm saying. And you Jesus know knows these things. Right. You, know, right. he's, he's, you, you don't fool God. <laughs> you might think you do, but you don't fool God. Right. And so... Well, that's what I mean. We've... God makes it clear several times, you know, it's not about lip service here. Right. Absolutely. And so when I, I guess that's the goes back to my first question, the importance of seeing this right away, his actions. And like yeah. you said, we don't know what he does to ne- 10 years from now or a month later or whatever. And of course, you know, he might slip up again. He might fall into greed again. He might. Blah, blah, I would blah. say might doesn't even need to be. Well, there. right. Because if you think about, you know me or you right you know? <laughs> yeah i can just from my own life say yeah you're right. going to you're going to fail all of us sin but it will no longer be the definition of his life right where it was before and his actions are really what matters here right as- so it's hard to say you know it doesn't tell us whether he stopped being a tax collector right um but you maybe can be a tax collector maybe and it not changed, be shady right might have right. changed how he did his right. job now maybe he couldn't be a tax collector anymore maybe he goes on to be a preacher who knows because this is the end of the story as right. far as what we get to see. Right. It's not the end of his story. He's still living that out. But We do know one thing. He remained short. I would assume that's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that, he did not grow. That, that seems logical. I would like to know what, what was considered short in, in biblical times. We can, we can assume it's different standard than today. I would assume. Yeah. Anyway, so before we get into that, uh, I guess we'll stop for super relevant. But it's you super know, relevant. It's, it's we'll we stop. We'll stop there before we get into more New Orleans food talk. That's a different podcast. I don't know why you don't like jambalaya. I like jambalaya just <laughs> fine. I just thought it was an interesting. Uh, I just saw it on Freilich's menu recently. They have a jambalaya there, and it looked really awesome. It's been in my head ever does it since. Come with okra. I believe okra is in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not Oprah though. No. That's back to you. No, get a car nobody's you getting get a, a car. car. Okay. Out of this, right? I knew I would tie it around. Thank you guys Brilliant. for joining us, even though we ended on kind of a weird note. That was super weird. Uh, we will be posting this today, which is Thursday. So again, sorry, it's a little late. Um, and then we will do the preview episode for this coming week on Friday. So you get two days in a row. So thanks for listening.